Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. I had surgery Monday. Yeah, went under the knife and uh, God is good. Praise God. I, I mean, I'm living, you know, Donald has his shirt and it's funny because you guys know I have a heart issue, but the name of the shirt, across the shirt, it says heartless. I know. So I'm walking around the mall with this shirt on, or this jacket on, it says heartless on it, but people don't like to read. They just read the headlines. Not you guys, though, right? We actually read the book. We don't just read what it says. But they read the headlines, and when they read the headlines, they don't read one But basically, it's heartless. Heartless. Less. And less is an acronym, which is saying living every day supernaturally sustained. Living every day supernaturally sustained. I was able to experience the hand of God, not, listen, not before, not during my surgery, not after my surgery, but before my surgery. Because I, I learned that God is a keeper. And that God is love. And perfect love casteth out all fear. Because fear brings torment. And I was stuck and didn't know that I was actually afraid going into my surgery. Can I be honest with you guys? Can I, can I, can I be a little bit of uh, uh, a glass up here? Can, can I just... Thank you. Thank you. It's my handler. I'm going to be transparent, okay? So you guys, don't judge me, okay? If you don't judge me, I promise I won't judge you, okay? I'm a pastor, and how can you teach somebody something if you don't already have it? I mean, I can't give you a million dollars right now because I don't have a million dollars, Right? So, but here I am, a pastor who has to teach you about faith, and I need to have faith to teach you about faith. I do have faith. But it's funny, when you think you've arrived and you think that you have something, that God has a way <laughs> of showing you how much more you need. It was the night before my surgery, and I have a really good friend who's a pastor, and I text him. I told him what kind of a bad friend I was because I didn't tell him I was having surgery. I said, look, I'm going into surgery. Um, everything's cool. I'm fine. I just wanted to let you know I'm a bad friend. Forgive me. So I'll be, I'm going in surgery tomorrow. And he texts me back and says, I'm on my way over. I'm like, I, you don't need to come over. I know what he wants to do. He wants to pray for me. I'm cool, man. I'm a pastor, you know what I'm saying? Just earlier in the week, I had our own elders laid hands on me. They did the word of God. As it says, if there's any sick among you, call upon the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on you and pray for you. Anoint you with oil that you might be healed. We did that already. Bruh, I don't need your prayer. It's okay. It's cool. He didn't respond back. Well, he actually did. He says, I don't have to come in, but I'm coming over. So I said, okay. It's late at night, mind you. And actually, he shows up to my house. I invite him in. 
and we talk. But the first thing he says to me is this. Just first thing. He looks at me and goes, you're not going to leave your wife and children. I said, I know that. God ain't done with me yet. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. But I was anxious about something. Totally anxious. I didn't know what it was. And, and I kept telling myself that I was anxious because I don't like driving all the way to Palo Alto. I don't like hearing what they always tell me. I know my heart's bad. And, and every time I get there, I'm trusting in God. I believe in God. I'm holding on to the faith. And I'm keeping the faith. And, but every time I go up there, they want to give me a different word. They remind me of my illness. They remind me of this thorn in my flesh, the one that God gave to me, a messenger of Satan, as he said, to buffet my flesh, lest I exalt myself above measure. I, I'm always reminded by these doctors to let me know, you're sick. I'm like, man, but I'm keeping the faith. I said, okay. But I'm telling, telling my friend, I was like, look, man, I'm good, man. I just, I'm just totally anxious, man. I, I hate going up there. And he's just looking at me, and I'm talking and everything else. And he says, listen, man, what are you anxious about? I said, I thought I just told you. He goes, no, what are you anxious about? I said, I don't know. He says, well, let's pray about it. He says, ask God about it. I said, I will. He goes, no, do it now. <laughs> Dang it. So I said, okay. And immediately, when I asked God, God, what is this fear? Two things. First thing was God answered me. He says, you're afraid to leave your wife and your children. The second thing is, I don't want my mother to bury any of her, any of her children especially her baby, me. I was afraid. But I'm keeping the faith. And that's when I heard these words. John, you've been keeping the faith, but you haven't let the faith keep you. I know it's semantics. Some of y'all aren't getting it. It sounds like the same thing. It's semantics. You're keeping the faith. Everybody looks at you. Are you keeping the faith? But it should be the other way around. Now, let me explain to you if you don't understand, okay? Anybody got a recliner in their house? How about a couch? They're made for sitting and relaxing, right? You sit in your couch to relax, and your couch or your recliner holds you, Right? How smart would it be for you to pick up the couch or recliner and hold it yourself? That's what's up with our faith. We're busy carrying around faith when we were never meant to carry the faith. We were meant to be carriers of the faith, but never to carry the faith. Because when we carry faith ourselves, eventually we get weary and tired of trying to hold on to it. Because we do things to strengthen ourselves, to hold the faith, when it's really not us keeping that faith. See, God says that you're supposed to rest in him. He is the author, the finisher of our faith. He's the one that gives us the faith, and we are supposed to let the faith keep us. I was fearful because I was relying on my own strength. And, and, I, and I, was, I was sitting there, and I'm like, 
man, I work out every day. I make sure I eat right. I don't eat certain things, and I know that's what's keeping me healthy. That's not what's keeping me healthy. I'm being a good steward. But it's the only, the only thing, the only reason why I'm here able to preach the gospel, the only reason why I'm here to take care of my children and love on my wife and still see my mother every day if I had to is because of the grace of God that is on my life. There is nothing else that I could do or ever do to sustain myself. Living every day, supernaturally sustained, heartless. This words for somebody today. But here's the thing. After I confronted my fear, I had to confront something else was my pride. Because it was my pride that kept me from admitting what I was afraid of. Because me, I'm not afraid of nothing. Y'all, you ask my wife, I'm not afraid of anything. Some spiders. But, <laughs> but. Let a spider be any near, near any of my kids or anything else like that, I'll kill him. And after I kill it, I, but not afraid of nothing. But God showed me, he says, yes, you are afraid of something. But perfect love casteth out all fear. So after I was set free, as your pastor, I was set free. I mean, a ton was off of me. A whole ton. I was like, wow, God, I've been tired and going through all this stress because I've been relying on my own strength, trying to hold on to you when you're the one that's holding on to me. And I was so free. And I remember we went, we went to, the, uh, to Palo Alto. I'm getting ready to get my surgery. And I am so relaxed. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm having a good time. I'm talking with my mom, my sisters, my wife. We're all just having a good time. So finally they come and they take me in and and I remember the doctor sitting there. I had a new cardiologist, and he's looking. And according to what is written in his notes, it says that I'm sick and I need a new device with new wires and different adjustments. So if he went directly off of what he read, then they would have went into my chest, put new wires into my heart, gave me a whole new system. They would have done all that. I would have been at the hospital for a couple of days. So he's reading this, but he decides to turn and begin to ask me, so how are you feeling? Feeling great. Feel good. Okay, do you ever get tired? Nope. Nope, feel good. Matter of fact, I work out. He's like, you do, huh? So how often do you work out? Four to five days a week. Hour a day. Really? Yeah, doc, and I run. Every day. A mile to two miles. You run a mile to two miles? Yes, I do. Matter of fact, Doc, I run a mile in nine minutes. I run a nine-minute mile. He was like, you run a nine, wait a minute. It says here that you have 20% of your heart working. Yep. <laughs> Kai sits there and she's like, yep. It's the grace of God. Now, this guy, he's, he's like totally blown away. He's that's incredible. He's like, I can't even run two miles. 
So they take me into the operating room. I'm totally relaxed. They want to give me a sedative. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm fine. Mr. Butcher, would you like to go to sleep? No, I'm going to stay awake for the surgery. Because I ain't afraid of nothing. I ain't lying to you. I stayed awake. They were like, hey, do you want to go? No, I'm good. You make me comfortable, but I'm fine. So I stayed awake. I'm talking to the doctors, and they're, they're going on. And now the, the, the cardiologist that came in earlier, they're talking to the people that are getting ready to do the surgery because it's a team of people that do the surgery. And listen, it's funny how you could tell one person the testimony, and then you don't have to tell it anymore. Because when you amaze somebody with the omniscient and omnipotent power of God, and they're surprised, they're going to go and tell somebody. I'm sitting there waiting to witness the people, and the cardiologist starts witnessing for me. He's like, man, this dude runs a nine-minute mile every day. And they're like, what? They're like, Mr. Butcher, have you received any shocks? From your device, and one of the doctors says, People that run nine minute miles don't get shocked. And I'm like, There, it's the grace of God. Now, I'm not telling you that just to tell you a story, but if I was still caught up in fear, fear torments, and torment makes you stay quiet. The only thing you can do while you're tormented is cry. Ah, you moan and groan. But when God comes in with the perfect law of liberty, when God sets you free, you're able to witness. You're able to open up your mouth and tell people the truth. God set me free to be a witness inside of the hospital. I, I was able to be a light in this place like I'd never had before. I go there, um, go there twice a year. But this time, it just opened up the eyes because there was a, almost the whole staff of cardiologists were there. And I was able to tell them, look, they were like, so what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm retired, but I'm a, I'm a full-time pastor. Where do you go to church? <laughs> One of the ladies in there was actually a believer. She told me what church she went to. She told me the name. See, that's how you get people. They're like, oh, yeah, I attend this church. What's your pastor's name? Um, 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 okay, you don't go to church. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you don't go to church. But she went to church. She was telling me all about her church and how she was connected. And it was cool because she understood when I was talking about the grace of God. And it was almost like I think I was there because the Bible says that one plants and the other one waters, but God gets the increase. I believe that God sent me there to water what she had already sown. She didn't know me. She had never seen me. Matter of fact, she's a traveling nurse from North, uh, she was from Texas, and, and I know she was probably there witnessing, and she, she probably afterwards was like, I tried to tell you. He's real. But I share that with you guys because, listen, I heeded and listened to the word of God when it came to dealing with my own situation. When the man of God showed up to my house and gave a prophetic word, prophetically, he didn't have to come, but he knew God sent him to come speak a word into my life to, to listen, for me to receive. Now, that pride could have easily stopped it. You got to recognize when the word of God is coming at you to humble yourself. God says, I'll exalt, I'll exalt you if you humble yourself, but I'm going to resist the proud. God said, I'm fighting against you. I literally fight against you when you're prideful. Who wants to have a fight with God? I know I don't. 
Shoot. So when we look, and we're going to go get into the, 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 the scripture today, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says this, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So our faith comes by us hearing the word. But then you go down to James 1 and 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving other people. That's my Keiko right there, my proofreader. She just, you got, so you guys didn't catch that. How many caught that when I said it? Because if you didn't catch it, if you did catch it and didn't say anything, shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah, you were on first service. It's okay. You guys get a pass. Listen, you guys, can I just, can I help you? I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Really do. I love him. But I make mistakes sometimes. Be like a Berean. What does that mean? Check the word to see what I'm saying is so. Amen. Should have been a bigger amen. Amen. Yes, I need you to start opening up your Bibles, and for your convenience, I put it up on the board. The sad thing about it is, you know, you want to hide something from this generation, and I'm not talking about the younger generation. I'm talking about all of us in this generation. Just put it in a book. You're never going to find it. Come on. Now, I'm going to continue with our subject that we talked about last week, which was, are you listening? You guys say, yeah, that was the title. Anyway, last week we learned that listening, your listening directly affects your speech. Okay? We knew that, and I'm not going to do it, but you know that people that are deaf that can't hear, they talk different. So they have a speech impediment. So because they can't hear, they speak differently. Now, when God even created the world, when he created everything, all creation, God spoke, and he spoke it into existence. He had no way of, I mean, you know, most of us, when we create things, we have some type of base plan. We've seen something else when we get an idea, but God spoke this world and creation into existence. Not having any other platform, he spoke it, it happened, boom. So with that, God has given us this principle that we could speak life into situations. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. He's given us the ability to inject words of life into dead situations. Okay, what do I mean by that? Like some of you guys might come to me and say, you know what, I don't like the way that I look. I'm so ugly. And I would go, nonsense. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. How marvelous are God's works. Some of you might look at me and say something like, well, well, you know what? I was an accident. My parents didn't plan me, and, you know, I was a mistake anyway. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. That's not true. God said he knew you before you were even in your mother's womb, that he's called you before the foundations of this earth. See, that, these are the things. See, you're speaking death. I speak life. I'm injecting life into your dead situation. Now, the reason why you're speaking death is because somewhere along the way, somebody told you you were ugly. Somewhere along the way, somebody, your parents or somebody said, you're just an accident. Your parents didn't expect you. And you heard that, and because you heard it, you began to speak it. Here goes the cold part about it. Sometimes people might not directly say you're ugly, but you see that somebody sets this, this false reality of what beautiful is, and because you don't meet that false reality, you start saying, I'm ugly. They never told you were ugly. They just set a standard for beautiful. You guys hear me now? See, the standard of beautiful that society sets is not the beautiful that God has set. 
Come on, I mean, somebody should be shouting right now. Because there's a point in life that we get so caught up with what society says is beautiful that we can't see the people around us telling us how good we look. We don't believe the word of God, and we get so caught up. And we hear it. And the more we hear it, the more we begin to speak it. And when we speak it, it becomes true. One of the main reasons we don't achieve the calling of God in our lives is because our speech is slowing us down. Our speech is getting in the way and it's stopping us. We have developed a speech impediment. That word impediment is to impede, which means to slow down. Now remember something, you guys, what we learned last week. Deaf doesn't just mean the inability to hear something. Deaf also means refusing to listen. He had a deaf ear to what I was saying. It means to refuse to heed, to do what you're being told. It means to refuse to be persuaded. You're being unreasonable and unyielding. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I know you hear him, but are you listening? <laughs> Watch this. When you hear something, you respond. When you hear something, you respond. See, somebody just responded. See, when a preacher preaches and they do stuff, you guys respond like, amen. Well, a few of you. I miss that. <laughs> so you get a response. Amen. <clears throat> Come on, somebody. You got, yeah, preach. I get a response. But watch this. When you heed something, you react. When you hear, you respond. When you heed, you react. Now, I know some of you guys are looking at me right now, and you're saying the definitions are the same, but the definitions aren't the same. One is verbal, and the other is physiological. A response is verbal. Mm, okay. So, for instance, when I talk to my youngest son, Judah, you are to be in bed by 8.30. His response is, yes, Dad. Okay, I want a response because I want him to acknowledge that he heard me. But better yet, when he heeds what I said, 8.30 comes, he's in bed. That's the action. Ooh, because I'm about to break this down. You guys ever heard somebody, you hear people break, you hear people brag and say, when I tell you to jump, you need to say how high. I never understood that. No, literally, because if I tell you to jump, you need to jump. And then while you're already in the air, you need to look at me like, this high? <laughs> if I tell you to jump and your response is how high, you're still not reacting. I said jump. Well, how high do you want me to jump? On two feet or on one foot? Should I jump to the side? Should I jump back? One hop. Two hop. Slide to the, oh, okay, no. Y'all be heating that guy. Crisscross. Then you add stuff to it. <laughs> so I know all y'all in here know how to heat. Y'all told on yourselves at weddings and all other gatherings. If we started playing that song right now, church, everybody jump up. Okay, okay. No, 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 look, I was in the Army. So in the Army, you got to take orders. Now, if, if somebody tells you, incoming, 
that tells you you got to react. You don't go, where, where? Do you guys, you guys watch this, watch this. I used to tell my wife, I said, honey, if I ever tell you to duck, just duck. Because lifestyle, old lifestyle. I'm like, if we're out somewhere and I say duck, then you duck. Some of us are so programmed. Watch this. I'm going to tell you something. If you go somewhere, you don't have to say nothing. Just be standing in a crowd and do this. Half the crowd going to do the same thing. The other half going to be doing this. What's going on? I'm telling you. Here goes something you guys could do. Go to the mall. Go to the mall today. And this is what I want you to do. Just start running down the mall. And as you're running, look worried and keep looking behind you. Watch how many people react. Some people will respond. They're like, oh, what's going on? What did happen? He stole some. But people reacting will run with you. Right? There's a difference between a response and a reaction. I need you guys to get this. When God tells you something, he wants you to react, not just respond. When God says give, you give. When God says stop, you stop. When God says be still, you be still. When God says go, you go. When I don't react and I only respond, it slows things down. Your response, your verbal reply really will just impede your process. Just saying yes and not doing anything impedes the whole process. You, you develop a speech impediment. When you hear, when, see, a lot of times we hear God speak to us. You guys ever hear God speak to us? There's many ways God speaks to us. God speaks to us prophetically um, uh, through a person. God will speak to us through his written word. God will speak to us when we hear a sermon. We hear him speaking, and a lot of times our response is, yes, Lord. I hear it all the time. Somebody, somebody says, oh, yes, Lord. Jesus appreciates your yes. But your yes shouldn't be verbal. If I tell my son to do something and he says, yes, Dad, and doesn't do it, praise him. He's like, oh, dang it. <laughs> all good. Your yes is evident by your reaction. If God says give, don't say yes, Lord. Just give. If God says serve, don't say yes, Lord. Just serve. If God says he wants it all, don't say yes, Lord. Just give him, give him all. Give him his all. Give your all. Don't hold nothing back. Now, it's funny how we, we look at this word reaction. The word, the word reaction or react, the dictionary says this. It's a physiological response to a substance that has been breathed in, ingested, or touched. For instance, God created man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed out into his nostrils. Man received his breath, and when he received his breath, when he took his breath in, he became a living soul. You know, God is breathing on us all the time, but the problem is we're not receiving what he's breathing. You know, if somebody's, here goes, this is good preaching. I'm sorry. I'm pat myself on the back. When a person's choking on something and they pass out, some, whoever took the CPR class, 
you could try to breathe in them as much as you want, but there's something that's blocking. There's something that's in that airway that's blocking the air from going. They can't receive what you're breathing out to them. Some of us in here are spiritually being choked by something in our lives, whether it's a, promise, a, a, a problem, a situation, a stronghold. There's things that we need to be squeezed and get the, the, the holy Heimlich on us to cough that out and somebody come and give us CPR and allow God to start breathing into us so we can receive the breath of life so we could be a living soul once again. The root word to reaction, watch this, this is deep, is action. That was deep. Reaction. Root word, action, which means to do something, <laughs> right? The word re, the, the prefix re, means to do over. So if I have to do something and the word re means to do over. Reaction means to keep doing something over and over again. So if you're in the process of doing things over and over again, when God tells you to give, it doesn't mean give once. It means keep giving. If God tells you to love, he doesn't mean just love once. He means keep loving, even on those people that are unlovable. I tried loving him. We'll keep trying. When God tells you to serve, he doesn't mean just come once. He means keep serving. And even come when you ain't serving. <laughs> I ain't talking to anybody in here. Somebody, somebody on the webcast. Do know who you are. Receive. Okay. God says serve. He wants you to keep serving. Keep serving. Not serve once, not serve twice. Keep serving. I love that God has never stopped serving us. He's the servant of all. That's why he said he's the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. And if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you got to keep serving. Cool part about it is God says when he tells you to repent, do you know repentance isn't a one-time thing? If God said repent, he wants you to keep repenting. Repent is the, is the process of turning away from and turning to. I hate when people say, you got to turn away from. Well, I can turn away from one thing and turn to something else. Some people turn from, from alcohol to heroin, and uh, they might turn from heroin to oxycodone. They're doing a lot of turning, but that's not repenting. Repenting means I'm turning from my way and turning to God's way. And God says, I want you to keep doing that because there's avenues in your life that you might be serving me, but there's other avenues that you're not serving me. And when I reveal that to you, I need you to take action. I don't want your response. I want your reaction to repent and turn from that. And then you turn from this, but keep turning towards God. Repentance. In James chapter 1, 23 through 25, it says this, be but be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's funny how we come to church and try to put on a mask and deceive others. Yeah, you can put on a church face all you want, but you're only fooling yourself. What are you deceiving yourself of? Getting any help. Because if you're going through a problem and you're trying to act like everything. See, if I wanted to keep the church face on when my pastor friend came over, I would have just deceived myself. I would have never received the help that I needed. How do we deceive ourselves? I'm glad you asked. Some of us are these type of hearers. Some of us are uh, uh, 
relative. Is that re relative? Relative? Okay, you know what I mean. This is what you do. You hear the word, and you're the kind of person that says, nah, this part of the Bible ain't for me. This is for other Christians. Well, I don't believe this part of the Bible because that doesn't relate to what I, to how I live. We're just hearers. Other people are superstitious hearers. You know, we're the kind of people that, that basically, you know, you know, I hear guys talking about, yeah, man, I, I touch my Bible before I walk out my house. We carry the Bible like it's a rabbit's foot and think it's going to protect us from everything. And occasionally we'll read a scripture and, and you know, of course, it's one of the old scriptures and it's like uh, Jesus wept. Okay, close the book, put it down. You guys realize that dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. You all know that? <laughs> dusty. <laughs> this kind of, he's a dusty Christian. <laughs> dusty. That boy needs some. Yeah, something. But that's what we are, superstitious. So we, what we do is we believe the, the Bible in itself is something that saves us, that the Bible, if I just hold on to this Bible, is going to get, now I'm going to tell you, you guys don't have to raise your hand. How many, how many people in here, just, just in your heart, just say, that was me, Lord. Just say that when I say this. How many people have ever been afraid but went to sleep with either their crucifix, their, their cross, or they're holding on to their Bible because it made them feel comfortable? I'll raise my hand. Because we've got superstitious that the Bible or the cross or a crucifix is going to protect us. It's not. It's Jesus himself. Come on, y'all. I'm not dogging it. Look, hey, you guys could do it, but I'm just here to tell you. You watch them vampire movies when them guys hold up the cross as a vampire, and he'd be like, ah, and the, and the cross melts. He's like, wait a minute, that was supposed to work. What are you going to do now? You see, y'all seen demons just jump all over the people, just beat them up. Superstitious. The third one is an emotional here. This is a lot of us. We are emotional here. We come to church because we look for an experience. We come because we want to hear something that gets us emotionally moving. And sometimes if we don't emotionally get moved enough, guess what? We stop coming to church. I just didn't feel it. I wasn't feeling anything. Okay, how many people wake up every, every morning and feel like going to work? You, amen, sis. Amen. She's like, I'm, I praise God. I thank God for my job. <laughs> but I'm, seriously, some of I look at my wife and Jenny and them, all the ladies that get up to go to, go to the spot and all that. They get up at 4.30 in the morning, if not earlier, to be there by 5. They don't get up every day going, oh, praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to work out. They don't feel like getting up. They don't feel like it. But they put their feelings aside because they know there's something that they want that if they don't feel like it, they won't do. They'll just be here. They're going to be like, yeah, I know I need to work out. Because somebody told me I need to work out. I heard it. I know it. But I ain't going to do it. You'll never get what you need to get unless you do something. Here, here goes part two. I'm just going to help you guys out just real quick. You know, even though you don't feel like going to work and you show up to work anyway, and you know how we pat ourselves on the back. Well, at least I came. You're looking at the boss. At least I came. But because you didn't feel like doing it, you just showed up to work and didn't do any work. Fired. You guys can come to church and not feel like coming to church, but just because you showed up, 
got to do some work. Emotional hearers. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, if anyone is a hearer and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now let me tell you guys something. Every morning, all of us look in the mirror to see if there's anything that needs to be corrected on ourselves. All of us. When we look in the mirror, that's what you're looking for, right? I don't care how fine you think you are. You're still looking to see if there's anything that can improve on your fineness. Like, ooh, if I just put a mole right here. I... And you know, ladies spend more time in the mirror than guys. They better. If you're one of those guys that spend a lot of time in the mirror, you need to come to one of our men events. But you guys realize what it's saying here is that you go, you look in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, you see something that's wrong. Do you not fix it? You guys, can you help me out? I mean, if you look in the mirror and you got a booger in your nose, are you going to get a tissue and take it out? What the scripture's saying is you look, you've seen the problem, you addressed the problem, and you took care of the problem. But those that are just hearers only are like a person that looks in the mirror, sees the booger in his nose, and turns around and walks off and forgets it's in his nose. And then the big problem is everybody else got to see it. And then you get mad because somebody wants to tell you, you got a booger in your nose. What? Right? Does anybody ever got mad when you tell, hey, man, you got something in your nose? I'm trying to help you out. You walking around here looking like boo-boo the fool with a big old green booger in your nose. I'm trying to help you because I love you. I care for you. So I'm trying to help you out. But look, listen, some of us, when somebody tells you, oh, wow, you're embarrassed, thank you so much, you go and you clean your nose, and, you, and then you ask them, is, is everything okay? Right? And you're like, oh, perfect, got it, right? And you thank them for it. How come we can't have the same attitude when somebody does something to us like that spiritually? You got a nasty spiritual, nasty flesh booger all in your spirit. And you need to clean that out. We get attitudes. Don't judge me. What we should do is, wow, I didn't realize that. Let me clean it off. Go back to that person. What do you think now? You're good. Praise God. That's called accountability. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what? He does or she does. If you're just a hearer, you're not blessed. But when you're a doer of what God says, then you'll be blessed in what you do. So what does this mean? Change does not happen by what you hear. Change don't happen by hearing it. You are not blessed by hearing the word of God. Ooh, look, it got quiet. Because I'm messing with somebody's theology right now. They're, they're like, wait a minute. I, 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 but, you know, we always say, man, that was a good word. I was blessed. No, you weren't blessed. You just got a good word. You really want to be blessed, you got to go out and do what you just heard. That's what the scripture just said. 
as we close, T. Oh. Just booger in my notes. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Now, this is what Jesus said, okay? So it's funny how we look at the red words of the Bible and it's in red. We hold that to be more important. Some of us, don't we? But do you realize that the whole Bible is what Jesus said? I'm just telling you guys that because the whole Bible is written by the inspiration from the Holy Spirit. The whole Bible. The reason why they put it in red is because that's what um, Jesus actually said verbally to the, to the uh, disciples. So that we can know what he said while he's on earth. So let me read this. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Who wants to be wise? He says, everyone that hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation upon the rock. Let me tell you something. If you believe becoming a Christian means you're not going to have problems, you, you got your Christianity wrong. Jesus even said right, right now, he says, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations, but don't worry because I've come to overcome them. I've overcome the world so that you can overcome all these problems. You will have it. It says right here that the rains will come down, the streams will rise, and the winds will blow and beat against your house. It's going to happen. But if you're a doer of his word, you don't have to worry about your house falling. Can I say something real quick? You know, the Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. Too many of us are relying on that scripture. Because if God says here, if you were just a doer of the word, you don't have to worry about falling seven times. He says you will not fall if I'm a doer. Now, that scripture is for us. I'm not, I'm not trying to negate that scripture. But I'm just telling you, we rely on that scripture too much. Do you realize a guy that walks a tightrope doesn't rely on the net that's down up underneath him? He relies on the wire that he's walking on. Because if I could stay on this wire, I ain't got to worry about falling. If, if I'm careful about where I step, if I'm careful about my balance. See, God has ordered my steps on this wire called life. He ordered them for me, and he said he hates a false balance, which means, oh, if I fall, I can just land on that net and then climb back up. But you have to rest assured in that thin line that God gives us because he said narrow is the path. And straight is the way that leads to righteousness. Verse 26 says this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rains came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. These are the people that say, you know, I tried Jesus. I tried Christianity. They didn't try it. They heard it. That's like going to a restaurant, sitting in the restaurant, and smelling the food all day and walking out talking about, I didn't like it. You just sat around and you never tasted it. You could come to church all your life and never be a doer of the word. You will never experience the blessings of God that he has for you. You have to be a doer. There's so many great crashes that are happening around us, you guys. 
So many great crashes. God wants us to be a doer. So the question today is not whether you've heard the word of God because you heard the word of God today. And guess what? You've been hearing the word of God over and over again. We know you hear it. But will you leave here today just hearing and not doing? Are you going to leave here today convinced, being steadfast, that I will do the word of God? And how I'll do the word of God, I'm not just going to listen to it because my faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word. But guess what else I'm going to do? I'm going to read my word. I'm going to listen to preaching. I'm going to get on the podcast. I'm going to watch preaching instead of listening and watching a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm going to at least take some time out to put some word in my ear, to put some word in my heart. And then when I put it in my ear and I put it in my heart, then I'm going to do it. What's good is it to fill your gas tank if you don't drive your car? God, the blessings of God is awaiting those that do his word. We are saved by grace through faith. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. But faith without works is dead. You got to be a doer of his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys stand to your feet. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.